Welcome to Writing the Wrong Way. This is a podcast for serious writers who want to develop their skills in artistry and stand out in a crowded industry by taking intelligent, creative risks. I'm your host, Jonathan Ball. I hold a PhD in literature. I'm the author of uh, numerous books, and I take a very analytical approach to art making, emphasizing both efficiency and experimentation. Please consider doing me a favor and pre-ordering my new book uh, from Coach House Books, The National Gallery. Uh, it contains sonnets for Leatherface from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, elegies in the manner of Rilke, but for a dead iPhone, uh, and other strange missives from yours truly, the poet laureate of hell. So go to thenationalgallery.ca for more information. That's thenationalgallery.ca. Thanks. Today I'm just by myself and I'd like to talk to you about my office, my offices and um, offices in general, workplaces, workspaces, uh, where you can need to go uh, to work as a writer. You've got a lot of different options as a writer. Um, some of them are good, some of them are bad. Sometimes you're just sort of uh, having to take a situation, a work situation and make the most of it. Uh, other times you have the opportunity to really kind of design and plan your work situation. Uh, by which I mean, you know, the place where you're doing your work. Um, so writers, you know, have all sorts of different places that they can or will work. Uh, I just want to talk a bit about where I work now and other places I've worked in the past. Um, I have a few sort of principles that I think are worthwhile keeping in mind when you're trying to work, you're trying to find a place to work, you know, trying to maybe establish a place uh, for you uh, to work. Things to keep in mind, so I want to go uh, through those, but first I want to just start with just talking a little bit about, you know, where I'm working now and what I'm sort of doing there and how I can manage to accomplish work. Um, So, it's a bit echoey in here today. Uh, this is, right now I'm in a studio uh, downtown in the Exchange District of Winnipeg. Um, so this is not home, this is a separate, you know, outside studio. It's not my studio. Uh, this is a studio of Chasing Artwork uh, slash Justin Curry and GMB Kimichik, who is also known as GMB Creative, uh, I believe is his work, freelance work name. Um, but Jim B. Kamichik, the you know, author, illustrator, Justin Curry, uh, who's, I guess, primarily an illustrator, but also has some you know, writing credits on some books that he's done you know, with Kamichik in particular. Um, Justin and Gregory have this great you know, little studio space. Uh, I don't really... Uh, it's not my space, but I, like, I come in it fairly often. I kind of have an arrangement with them where I can come in you know, I come like once or twice a week, depending on the week, and you know, do some work here. And it's a nice way for me to get out of the house and get a lot of things done. You know, there's things that I just have a hard time doing in the house right now um, because I have two very small children. You know, one is three, um, one is four. Uh, you know, turning five, and they are, you know, they I mean they're kids, right? So they're always uh, sort of underfoot, um, and they're always, you know, wanting attention. Uh, I don't like to ignore them 
<laughs> you know, it's a bad precedent, but also it's not really possible. Like if you know kids, like, the more you have try to ignore kids, the more they want it into your face. When they were really young, I remember um, I was, when I, and, I, and I was just home with them by myself. I remember I would like try to time, like with a timer, you know, can I lay on the couch for five minutes? Could they just leave me alone and play by themselves for five minutes? And I couldn't make five minutes. You know, uh, they would hit, they would literally hit me with hammers. They would go get hammers, like two hammers each fiddle fist, and they started hitting me with hammers saying, Daddy, get up, Daddy, Daddy. Smash, 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 ha- hitting me with hammers. You know, that's what it's like with kids who are really young. Um, it's, so I do, you know, have a home office and I do still work in that home office. Um, but it's really not possible to work in it, you know, unless they're, um, asleep at night, you know, so then it's like late and I'm tired, uh, or there, which I do, you know, I do do that. I do work in that office sometimes then. Um, but even then, you know, um, I don't want to wake them up. <laughs> so I don't want to make a bunch of noise in this office. It's on the same floor as them. You know, so I tend not to work in it uh, too much at home. Sometimes, you know, it, my my joke at home is that I have this I have this very beautiful office, you know, at home. As soon as you walk in the house, to the right of you is this, you know, big open uh, area um, where my desk is and I've got these other desks sitting there and on top of that, I have a giant picture window looking outside. Like it's great. It gets all this natural light. It's this beautiful room with, you know, these nice modern glass desks and, you know, everything's kind of set up there. I've got pictures of my book covers on the wall and everything. So it's a wonderful office, you know, nice little office like I always dreamed of having when I was young. And, you know, I was just sitting in a TV tray was my office, you know, or the kitchen table was my office. Um, I dreamed of having a nice separate room for the office where it wasn't, you know, part of my bedroom or it wasn't part of the kitchen or whatever. Um, and I finally got it and now I can't work in it half the time because the kids kicked me out of it, you know. Um, I, I was working in there the other day and all of a sudden I, I had my headphones on and, you know, trying to ignore the kids and do some work while, you know, my wife had the kids. And all of a sudden I hear like, daddy, daddy, daddy. And they're like yanking at my leg. And I'm like, what? And I look down and my daughter's just there like with like her, you know, clothes in her hands, but she's not wearing her clothes. And I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> she's like, daddy, daddy, I want to show you how I can put my shirt on. And I'm like, okay, well, that's nice. But it's not, um, you know, so I watched her put her shirt on and said, you know, go, good job and everything. But, um, you know, that's great and everything. But it doesn't exactly help me meet my deadlines <laughs> that day. You know what I mean? You know, it doesn't help me um, turn in that, you know, book review by 5 p.m. Because it's just, you know too much going on in that area. So I still do primarily work at home and I work in that office when the kids are sleeping or when, you know, I don't have to, um, I'm not, you know, with the kids. I'm kind of primarily with the kids during the day usually. Um, But, um, you know, 
one day a week at least, some evenings a week uh, and some days, uh, I can actually leave, uh, you know, for the whole day or something and go out, come to the studio. You know, I at least, you know, if not more than once, I at least come here usually one day a week and then, you know, I can have meetings uh, during the day and I don't have to live like a vampire only, you know, going out at night. Um, so when the sun is down, so that's part of the reasons I have a kind of separate, you know, space I go to. It's not really my office. It's again, like I say, it's, it's Justin and Greg Grease studio. Um, but I do, you know, have a kind of arrangement where I can go there fairly regularly and I get, you know, some work done. I kind of treat it like an office for the day. Um, you know, I haul my stuff down, you know, lay it on a table, do my work and, you know, pack it up, throw it in the corner, take off. So, it's, you know, so it's all out of their way. And then I can take off and do other things. You know, go back to my uh, home studio life. So, uh, both of those uh, sort of highlight this first principle, which is whenever you're trying to figure out where you're going to work, what office is your office is going to be, you really need to have some way that you can separate it from the rest of your life. At home, my office is... Uh, you know, it's in a separate room. So that is sort of how I've separated it. You know, I've separated it by putting it in a separate room. Unfortunately, when I, when I, I wasn't thinking when I picked out which room I was going to put the office in, I kind of negotiated and finagled for this really nice, great, you know, office in a beautiful large room. Um, but I wasn't thinking and ahead to, you know, when I was going to have these small kids. Uh, and I didn't realize uh, at the time that I really needed a place with a door. You know, that, that office doesn't have a door, and so it's a great office and everything, but there's no door. So it's not fully separated out from the rest of the house, and it is uh, consequently, you know, sometimes hard to work in it because the kids will come into it. The kids have some toys in it. I, you know, don't like it that the kids have toys in it necessarily in the sense of like, you know, it's my workspace. I don't necessarily want to watch toys underfoot. But, you know, there's areas of the office where I don't really, I don't really use them. So, you know, fine, kids can have toys in there and they can play in there when I'm not in the office and everything, right? You know, I don't want to be like a draconic about it. Uh, and so... Um, I have, you know, some bleed between the house and the rest of the office, but it's it's a bad idea, frankly. I shouldn't have that. I should have a totally separate space that is completely disconnected from the rest of the house. But, you know, this is my sort of, you know, middle ground uh, at home. What I do instead is I kind of have certain parts of the office that are separated out. So um, the whole room isn't separated, but there are parts of the office where it's like the kids know they're not allowed to do this, not allowed to do that. They're not allowed to touch these books. They're not allowed to touch that thing on the desk. You know, you know there were kids, but for the most part, they do what they're told around it. Uh, all the drawers have like, you know, class so that they can't be opened by the kids and things like that. Um, but you really need a separate space. Uh, you need, you know, I, I, because I kind of lost a, a part of the separateness of that office, uh, I had to, you know, search out and find another place I could go sometimes, like uh, here downtown in the studio. Uh, so, you know, I can sometimes come here, treat it like an office for the day, you know, or for a few hours. That is a really valuable thing because there's a total separateness 
from you know the rest of my life in this you know studio space. Um, and you know if I ever uh, you know w- whenever they decide they're sick of me and throw me out of here, I'll go find another place. You know like the Writers Guild down the street uh, has some space that they rent out. There's a lot of places that kind of rent space cheap where people can come and work. Or you know you can sometimes make an arrangement with somebody who has a studio. You have if you have artist friends. You know, you can maybe make an arrangement if you have a studio to, like, you know, maybe pay them a little bit and come into their studio or whatever. Um, I think it's really important uh, to have a studio space you can go to uh, outside of your home office if you can manage it. Um, I used to use university office for that, um, but I don't tend to have, you know, steady access to university office anymore because I'm not really an employee of the university. You know, I I work on the campus now and again. I teach classes from time to time. You know, I have offices there, you know, often, um, but my office tends to move around, and it's not the kind of, um, you know, right now I don't uh, have an office at UW, uh, but I do have one at the U of Manitoba. So, you know, but then next term I'll have one at the U of Winnipeg, but not the University of Manitoba. You know, it's just too much um, change. Uh, I needed to find a place like this uh, where I could at least, you know, just come in a little bit, uh, even if I'm not going to be here every day or something. Like, if I was here more often, I guess I'd have to try to <laughs> try to finagle my way in or, or buy my way into it. But, um, you know, I just made a very kind of casual uh, slash formal arrangement with them. So whatever you do though you need to find a separate space and you know what sometimes that separate space is a coffee shop right you know that's a very well-worn uh, tactic uh, that writers have used you know i wrote my whole uh, book john pays crime wave in a coffee shop um i spent uh, basically i wrote that whole book in about a month to do the first full draft I just went every day to a coffee shop and just sat there for hours and wrote the book, wrote the book, wrote the book. Um, That's all I did. I had the movie on a laptop uh, where I was also writing the book and I was just watch the movie and write the book, watch the movie, write the book, watch the movie, write the book. You know, that's basically all I was doing, um, you know, that month or whatever. Um, I just had managed to kind of arrange it. I mean, I spent more than a month writing that book. I had to do a lot of revisions and I had to do a lot of rewriting and so on. Um, But uh, broadly speaking, like it was about a month, two months of intensive work in coffee shops. um, And it worked really well. You know, the coffee shop is nice because it is a separate place from you, uh, separate from your home, separate from your kind of normal everyday life. Uh, Now, if you can make your home office a place that is... uh, sort of separate from the rest of the home and separate from the rest of your life, then that's ideal uh, for a lot of ways. But the problem, too, is like you have to then also maintain a separateness that um, people respect. You know, if you have you know, a family that you live with or roommates or kids, one of the problems is uh, they don't necessarily respect the separateness of when you walk into the office, you know, like they don't necessarily get it that like you're working now and yes, you could, you know, walk next door to the kitchen and do the dishes, but you don't want to because you're working, you know, somebody else can do that or you can do it another time. Um, They don't get that, right? Like people see you as being home. 
And so, especially young kids, like they see you as being home and they don't understand that like you're home, but you're also sort of not there. You know, you're trying to, you know, do this thing. Um, and it's, you know what, it's reasonable that they don't understand it, especially if they aren't writers or they don't have any sort of um, that kind of work, you know. A lot of people don't have that kind of work. Like they just, they have a job where, you know, they clock in, they clock out, you know, whether they're working at McDonald's or even working at a hospital, right? Like a nurse who goes to the hospital and then leaves the hospital, like she can only really be a nurse at the hospital, right? Like you're, you know, he, he can only be a nurse at the hospital. You know, those people leave and then they aren't doing that job anymore. It's not the same thing as writing where you could still be doing it. Like one of the downsides of being a writer or being an artist of any type is that there, there isn't really off time in the same way. Like on time and off time is very flexible and there's strengths to that, you know. Like right now, one of the strengths of it is that I get to, um, because a lot of my work is flexible, um, I'm kind of, you know, spending a lot of time home with the kids where I may, during the day, you know, with, since, you know, when they're not in school or whatever, when, like, maybe normally I would have to be at, an, at a job in my workplace. The, the downside of that is, you know, I still got to put the same hours in most weeks. So, you know, now I'm just kind of running ragged. But um, the strength, so there's flexibility strengths and there's flexibility downsides, right? Uh, one of the real downsides from a psychic point of view, you know, a psychological, I should say, point of view, is that you don't really, it's hard to turn it off, you know. It's hard to turn the, the writing thing off. And I try to turn it off, you know. I try to turn it on and off because I, because you can um, and because I think it's healthy to, you know, to have times when you got it off and have times when, you know, and to learn how to turn it on. But it's tricky, you know. It's tricky to... And that separateness helps. If you can find any way to introduce separateness into your home office, whether it's another room, a door that closes, or whatever, or if you can go to another place, like a studio or like a writing, um, you know, even just like a, a, a closet, a shed out back, you know, or, or whatever, a coffee shop, uh, anything that has that separateness helps a lot. Um, and at and bare minimum, you need some sort of transition. So. Even when I have not been able to maintain that separateness and I've had to like write, you know, use a TV tray as my office or something, right? Um, I was always trying very consciously to make sure that uh, it was the same TV tray. You know, it was the same uh, place I sat at the kitchen table, you know, or what have you. And barring that, like barring some way of making the place separate uh, is... You know, what I did uh, and what I encourage people to do is to build sort of transitioning rituals. So one of the things that I do now that really helps a lot, since I have a little bit of, uh, you know, the separateness has started to deteriorate a little bit at home. But even when I come out to the studio, again, it's not my studio, right? Like, you know, I'm sitting here in the studio by myself right now, but it's not my studio. Like Gregory and... Um, Justin are normally here, right? Like if they wanted to, they could walk right in the door and start doing whatever. Um, and so, um, 
that's great and everything, you know, I like those guys and stuff, but, you know, uh, what if you're trying to do something, someone else is doing something next to you? Well, is it distracting potentially, you know, or, or whatever? You know, if the, one of the, you know, how do you get into that work? You know, if your kids come in the room and stuff, like how do you maintain or try as much as possible to get into like work mode or work mood when there's maybe other people in the space or it's just not a separated space like you maybe um, you know, want or need in some way. Well, um, there's a lot of different things you can do. One simple thing is some sort of transitioning object. You know, so having some sort of object that you use or that you wear um, and that like gives you a transition. I've heard of uh, people doing this with like hats, they'll like put on a special hat or a special tie. You know, you put on a tie and you walk into the office. Well, even though you're just at home, you've got a tie on. And it's like work, you know, you've done something special and different. Maybe you don't want to wear a tie because that maybe is ridiculous to you. But um, there's a lot of like things you can do. I like to use uh, cups like as objects. So I had for a long time, I had a cup at home that my daughter, uh, Jessie, and my older daughter, Jessie, made uh, for me when she was a kid. Um, And I would, you know, put my coffee in that cup and I would drink the coffee. And, you know, that was how I was. Um, transitioning into office mode. So wherever I was, uh, I would take that, you know, if I was going to university, I would bring the cup with me sometimes, right? And like, if I was drinking from that cup, then I was at work. It was my special work cup that my daughter made for me. So it had like a nice um, sentimental value to it. um, But also it was different. It was a thing, a cup. I didn't use the cup normally in my life. I only used it when I was working. It's the cup I drank my coffee out of when I was working. So what happened was that cup broke because I would carry it everywhere. So I was like carried up the stairs. I carried it down the stairs. Anywhere I happened to be working, I'd have the cup. So finally it broke. I dropped it, you know, carrying it around. So, you know, me and her, me and Jesse, you know, glued the cup back together and, you know, she painted it up nice with some kind of gold um, nail polish and things to make it look, you know, pretty. Uh, and we were kind of restored as best we could. But now it's toxic. I can't drink out of it anymore. So I use it as like a pen holder. And what I got and did instead was I got uh, these two coffee cups from uh, Vistaprint. I just went to Vistaprint. Um, I don't know if that's a .ca or I think it is. Um, and I got my logo. I have a company logo because, you know, I'm a... Uh, I'm a company, you know, most, I'll talk about this maybe in another podcast, but like writers are businesses, whether they know it or not, and whether they like it or not. Um, And in some scenarios, it can be useful to get like a business number and uh, so on and so forth. But in any case, uh, I am also a company. Uh, My company name is Martian Embassy Media. And I have a logo for that from Martian Embassy Media. I use it for things now and again. So if you were to buy my book, uh, this book is otherwise provided to you as is. That book was published by Martian, Martian Embassy Media. So that book actually has the logo printed on it and so on. You know, uh, SMB Co. made a nice logo for me. So anyway, um, I put that logo on two mugs. Uh, and I have one sitting in the studio here. And I have one sitting at home in the home office. So when I'm at work, I drink from those mugs. So it's a, it's a simple little thing, 
but you know, I can, I'm right now I'm holding it in my hand. I look at, you know, this white cup with Martian Embassy Media logo um, on it, and I'm at work. You know, I'm doing this podcast, talking to you. Um, this podcast is published by Martian Embassy Media, you know. Um, it's not that it is a, a, you know, super formal thing, but it is a bit of a transition. You know, I'm, I've got this cup in my hand, so therefore I'm working. Um, I'm at the studio, so therefore I'm working, right? Like, is a very... Um, psychically separated thing you know uh, even if I was at home just sitting uh, downstairs trying to be quiet and not wake the kids up you know sitting on a couch with my laptop on my lap you know away from any offices well I would try to do that on the one couch not the other one you know because I try to use the one couch only when I do work and I would have my mug so um, I would be at work. It's a very uh, stupid sounding thing, I know, but sometimes uh, you need those triggers. You know, they're basically psychological triggers. You're just training yourself um, to associate certain objects or certain rooms, um, certain environments and situations and uh, certain rituals uh, with, you know, being productive and getting work done. Uh, so I'm way more productive when I hold a smug in my hand. It sounds really stupid, uh, but it's, you know, th- there's a lot of real neuroscientific backing for something like that. You know, I can see the logo, so if I'm not drinking from the cup, I turn it so the logo faces me. Um, and then if, you know, I find myself unfocused or uh, distracted by something, I just try to bring myself back to the mug and remember that I'm at work. You know, I need to get... You know, I can't be checking Facebook right now because I'm at work. Um, You know, I've got this coffee in this mug still, so I must be at work. Uh, So anything that you want to do that gives you some sort of transition like that can be useful. And another way that I do that is with when I write, I listen to the band Agalog. Um, So I put my headphones on and I listen to Agalog. So um, there's a couple things involved in that. So one is putting headphones on. Uh, so when I'm at, if this is if I'm writing, so if I'm at home um, and I put my headphones on, well, uh, the headphones means that the kids can't, I can't hear the kids, right? So all the noise they're making necessarily uh, isn't bothering me. I also can't hear like my wife, right? Um, I can't hear the phone. I can't hear other things. If my wife wants me, she has to come like physically get me or, you know, text me, you know, so that it beeps, uh, you know, if, if I've got my headphones hooked into my phone so that it interrupts my music or something. Um, so if I'm here at the studio, you know, sometimes, you know, me, earlier today, me and Justin were both in here and Justin was, you know, grinding on some uh, artwork and I was, you know, rushing to do a film treatment. Um, so we both had our headphones on, you know, listen to whatever we're listening to separately, ignore each other completely, uh, you know, just working on our laptops or his, he's got a big computer set up, but I've got my laptop. Um, so the headphones can help kind of, you know, again, sort of separate you out, give you a bit of that, um, separate space. Um, but I go a step further and when I'm writing, uh, I only listen to Agalog. So if I'm not writing, like I'm doing something else, I'll listen to other things. But if I'm writing, I'll try to only listen to this band Agalog, um, this crazy metal band from the States who is defunct now. 
uh, but I kind of I have a long blog post about this, which I'll link to. Um, if you're on the website, you know you can take a look at it. Um, but uh, I basically have sacrificed the band Agalog, so I can't listen to them for fun anymore. Um, I've trained myself. You know, when I write, I don't make a bunch of different playlists. I don't, you know, have any sort of fancy writing music or whatever, or you know, complex writing, you know, ritual. All I do is I put my headphones on. I listen to the band Agalog. I listen to the same songs in the same order. Um, it's just a playlist that just has only this band's music on it, just thrown in there. Uh, and so it plays the same songs in the same order all the time. The first song has this very high-pitched kind of whining feedback squeal that it starts with. It's a very long, like, melodic feedback squeal. So uh, as soon as I hear that, I just start getting ideas and I start tuning everything out and I start writing. I've trained myself to just, you know, associate the music of Agalock with coming up with ideas and writing. So, uh, one... Uh, having that particular music playing in my headphones helps separate me out. It's also like heavy metal, right? So it's very loud. It kind of drowns everything else out. You know, distractions like are drowned out. Um, when I am home by myself, I'll just blare it like as loud as I can, shaking the house loud. And so I can't hear anything else. I can't hear people outside. I can't hear the phone ring. If the bombs dropped next door, I wouldn't hear them. Um, I can only hear Agalock. But then I start to tune Agalock out. So even that is sort of like gets tuned out. Um, so I can't really listen to them for fun. I just have trained my, my myself to tr tune them out immediately and just start writing. So anytime I don't feel inspired or I feel like I can't write, I just have to put Agalock on and then my, my, my brain is trained to just start writing. Like a dog might, you know, come to supper when you ring a bell. So you can do a similar thing, but, uh, you know, maybe <laughs> less extreme. You don't necessarily have to only listen to the band Agalock or the same three songs every time on a loop or anything like that. But, you know, having an object like a tie or a shirt or some socks or putting, you know, a mug, a certain mug that you only use uh, in your office, you only use when you write or you only use when you're doing work, uh, that kind of thing goes a long way. And those transitions, by the way, are very important um, that you only uh, do things uh, with that object or with those, like, you know, you have to make it exclusive. So I can only drink from this mug when I'm doing work. Otherwise, it loses the aura of working. I know it sounds strange, but that's sort of how the brain works, right? That's the uh, reasoning also behind having a separate office space. You know, uh, just like if you're, uh, your bedroom uh, on a separate level, uh, your bedroom should only be used for sleeping and sex, right? You shouldn't have a TV in your bedroom because why? It'll affect your sleep. You will find it harder to sleep because you do other things in this bedroom. One of the great problems that high school students have um, is that they do everything in their bedroom, right? You know, they do everything on their bed. They do their homework on their bed. They talk on the phone on their bed. They play games on their bed. They watch TV on their bed. And then they try to sleep in their bed and they've, you know, they can't sleep. Well, it's not surprising for a couple of reasons. 
But one reason is that they've trained themselves to associate the bed with all these fun things you do when you're awake. Um, and really, you know, or stress even, you know, you, you do your homework on your bed all day and now you're stressed out and you try to go to sleep. Well, that environment is associated with the stress. So a lot of the times what you're doing in an office space is trying to think through those sorts of uh associations that you have with the environment and you're trying to tailor them you're trying to sort of be intentional about the associations you build with the environment you want to be intentional about what's in that environment uh, how you transition and move into that environment you know, where that environment is and so on uh, this kind of brings me to the last couple principles uh, so there's sort of two principles there one is just having a separateness of in terms of the environment, like trying to make it as separate as possible and trying to transition into the environment somehow. Uh, because, so I make a coffee in my mug and then that's my transition into the environment. Or if I'm at the studio and there's, I don't feel like making coffee, I'll just put some water in the mug. And that'll be my transition into the environment. And then when I'm, I, if I, I'm, sometimes I don't even drink the coffee. I don't want it. I just make it as part of the transition into the environment. And I just let it sit there and get cold. And then when I'm done uh, and I'm leaving, you know, I dump any water or drink any water, uh, whatever the case is. You know, I dump out my cold coffee. If I've got some in there, I wash the cup. So washing the cup, you know, going into the other room or going over, you know, to where the sink is and washing the cup. Um, that's my sort of signal to myself that I'm transitioning out of being at work. At the studio, it's easy because you lock the door, you walk out the studio, you know, you walk down the stairs and everything like that. Uh, at home, it's a little different, but again, I go to the next room, the kitchen, I wash the cup, I clean it up, I put it away, I dry it, I put it on the desk for tomorrow. Um, why do I transition out like that? Um, well, just like transitioning into the work uh, space and the work environment and that whole work mentality, you want to try to transition out of it so that you don't bring that work stress or you know your mind racing all the time about work things into the rest of your life. You know, it's it's hard, as I say, as a writer or as an artist, somebody who has um, basically trained themselves to be. Um, on all the time, you know, you like, uh, you don't have those hard boundaries uh, when you're kind of doing, working on your novel, right? You could be doing it anytime, you know, uh, and you, but you don't want to be doing it every time. You'll go crazy. You'll drive yourself mad and drive your family uh, to, you know, drink because, you know, you, you just can't turn off. You won't be able to sleep because you can't turn off. Um, if you're, if you're at all like that, you know, you need to find uh, transitions. You need to find like ways to sort of um, transition and move out of the work mindset and work space. You know, sometimes an alarm will work for people. I like, as I say, to attach everything to this mug. Now, if I don't have the mug for some reason, I can still do some work. You know, I don't need it, um, but it helps, right? It helps to just sort of imbue an object um, with a sort of aura like that so that you can kind of, you know, its proximity to you starts to help uh, you compartmentalize that um, approach, that men mental kind of, you know, space. When you're actually setting up your environment, your office, however you're doing it, one of the most important things uh, that is really underrated 
Um, and I don't hear people talking about much, so I like to talk about it uh, a lot, <laughs> maybe too much, is having uh, what I call low friction. And what I mean by that is you want uh, as little as possible between you not working and you working. So as soon as you get in the space, you should be able to work. So in an office, so at my home office, what I do is, as I say, I've got three desks. I've got one big glass desk where like I've got my computer set up, right? Um, and then I've got another two little glass desks on the side where there's like printers and books and other things. And I just have like some empty space over there too. And what I do every time I'm, whenever I'm done in the office, uh, I try to clean the office up, right? Like that's also part of my like leaving the office rituals. I try to just clean the whole office up. But sometimes I'm just too hurried to do that, you know? I just don't have time. So when I don't have time, I just take everything off the glass desk and I dump it onto the other side desks. Um, why do I do that? Just so that the next time I come back to the main desk, it's clear and I can just start working. I don't have to clean it up. So maybe I actually have a bullet, maybe I didn't clean the office. All the junk is just in a pile on the left, but I cleaned this main space so I can just come in and start working. It's low friction. Um, you shouldn't have to just clean everything up and find things. There, my main desk, one thing I will leave on it, there's these little um, uh, shelves that I kind of have a stack of two shelves that I put the laptop on top of and I can use the laptop. You know, I'm not going to get into ergonomics of like how you should sit or how far your laptop screen should be and everything. Um, but the nutshell of it is, is that you should be able to sit straight in your chair and look forward without tilting your head up or down and see the, la the computer screen. So um, if you're sitting in your chair and you have to look down to see your computer screen, or you have to look up to see your computer screen, then something's wrong. You need to re-format uh, that whole space. So I use a laptop, right? So um, a laptop almost always is like down, right? Lower than you. So when I'm, I mean, sometimes, I, like right now I'm just using a laptop on a desk and it's not ideal um, because I'm at a studio. This is my studio that I can't set up exactly how I want, right? But at home, what I've done is I've got a riser that the t laptop goes on. I don't use the laptop's uh, keyboard. Instead, I use an external Bluetooth keyboard and that way I can have my hands down and then, you know, my eyes up in a manner of speaking. So uh, you can kind of, it's kind of outside of my purview to go through the mechanics of how you want to set your body up and your space up, but you want it, you know, to have some ergonomic um, validity, let's call it. You know, you want to have thought through physically, can I be in the space for a long time? Um, what do I need to do to make the space more comfortable for myself? Uh, physically speaking, should I invest in a good chair, right? You know, I would suggest doing that. Um, maybe you want, uh, maybe you're a person who wants to have a stand-up desk option. I kind of have my space set up so I can be sitting there, like I say, on this Bluetooth keyboard, you know, sitting and looking at the computer screen. And then if I want, I can just stand up and now I can use the laptop keyboard from it. So now I'm in a standing position. It's not quite a standing desk, but it's sort of approximating on the, without moving the computer at all, uh, the, I'm approximating like a stand-up desk or a sit-down desk, depending on how I want to work. 
I know other people who've done uh, very complex systems to try to have both a standing desk and a sit-down desk, or they swear only by standing desks and so on. Uh, I mean, you need to investigate that kind of thing yourself, but ideally, you know, you want a setup that doesn't hurt you, <laughs> that won't kill you, right? You need some sort of, you know, system uh, to work in that place with low friction. Uh, and low friction I define as you as quickly as possible, there's very few, as few steps as possible between you and doing some work. So again, I walk in with my cup in my hand, I put it down on the desk, uh, I open the laptop, I turn it on. My laptop takes like 10 seconds, 10, 20 seconds to turn on. So sometimes I'll just leave it on. Uh, a computer like uh, doesn't take very much more power off than on. Like a TV, if you have a TV turned off, plugged into the wall, it's using almost the same amount of power as if it was turned on. Um, so, you know, uh, laptops are a little different, but like sometimes I'll just leave it on uh, because I'm, you know, I'm going to come back to it shortly. But most of the time I'll turn off because mine boots on pretty quick. Anytime my computer starts to like not boot on fast enough, I'll sell it and get a new one because I know from experience that for me, and maybe you're different, but for me, one of the greatest um, uh, problems that I've had in the past is my computer takes too long to turn on, and so instead of turning it on, I'll go do something else. Like I'll look at it and think, oh, it's going to take like a minute to turn on, and then I'll go do something else. So uh, you know, I don't have that problem anymore, but you know, whatever it is that is preventing you from doing work, you should really just pay attention to that. Like, pay attention to the times that you get a piece of paper and pay attention to every time you thought about doing some work or started doing work, and then, you know, what stopped you. Um, it, in fact, this is a really useful exercise for you to do next time you do work. Um, so when you're done listening to this podcast, next time you go to do some writing, make a little list of all the things you do on the way to doing the writing. So what do you have to do? Do you have to turn, go into another room? Do you have to go find another space? Do you have to get headphones? Do you have to turn your computer on? Do you have to go dig the file out of a folder? What do you have to do? Um, reduce the friction between those. Take as many steps as possible out of that. Uh, so I'll put all the files I'm working on on my desktop. And I'll try to just only have the files I'm currently working on my desktop. So usually if you look at my computer, there'll be nothing on the desktop except for like two files. One file, ideally. And that's just the thing I'm writing. I put the thing I'm writing on the desktop so I can open the laptop, turn it on, boom, it's right there. I open the file. I don't have to do, search for anything. I don't have to do anything else. Um, I have my laptop set so that it is, by default, the internet is off um, because, again, I don't want any distractions booting up. I don't want automatic alerts coming in um, while I'm trying to do some work, right? Um, maybe you're, I've talked about this before with the focus form, which I'll link to, but you need to maybe just kind of figure out what's distracting you in the workspace and how can you prevent those distractions in the future. But the same thing is true for friction. You know, on your way to doing work, uh, what is preventing you from getting there? You know, I've found in the past that uh, for me, uh, the computer being slow to turn on was a big issue. Uh, in the past, one thing I found was moving between offices. 
was a problem. So I had a computer at the university for a while. And I also had a computer at home. I was using desktop computers then. Um, and they would have different files in them. And I would have to get like the file on a flash drive. And then sometimes I would have a problem with the drive or like the things would be all screwed up or whatever. Or I would forget a file and then I would be screwed because I didn't have a file. So then I try to get Dropbox, you know, so I could have this cloud kind of file sharing. But then I had to wait for the Dropboxes to sync. I had to wait for the files to update. And I was just, it was tons of problems. Then it was on the bus. I didn't have the internet or whatever, you know. I was having so many problems. So finally what I did was I bought a laptop. And then I had the exact same situation at home and at an office. Everywhere I went, my laptop had all the same stuff that it had when I was somewhere else. So, uh, you know, connectivity issues maybe came into play. I was having a hard time on the bus. I wanted to do some work on the bus for a while. So I found some word processing programs where I could pull the files up on apps, you know, right? And I got myself an unlimited data plan so that I could, you know, I, I got a really cheap one and they don't, they want to take it away from me. But, <laughs> but anyway, um, you know, I was, I was very meticulous because I was very um, pressed for time. Like, you know, I was working a crazy amount of work. Uh, at one point I was, you know, I don't work quite this many hours anymore, but at one point I was working like 60 hours uh, week, uh, running all over the city. I was running between two universities and also home. Um, and then additionally, you know, I'm doing stuff with my daughter and like, you know, all this other stuff going on, right? Like, uh, so I was very stretched, very thin. I was very um, stressed out. I had to be as efficient as possible. And what I found was I just had to pay attention to where I was losing time. Um, but more importantly than the time was, I was just losing motivation. You know, I would be like, it's not even that it took a long time for my old, like to, for me to find the file or to wait for the Dropbox to sync. It's just that I wouldn't do it because it was so demotivating to, <laughs> to sit there and like be like, ugh, this thing's got to sync uh, to update. And I want to, you know, even if I wasn't really as busy, I thought I was or I felt I was or I just felt like frustrated by it. And so I would avoid it, right? You know, I got frustrated, so I would avoid it. So what I would find myself doing is avoiding writing because I was frustrated about my writing setup, you know. I was avoid work because I was frustrated about my workspace. You know, if you've ever had a situation where your office is too messy so you don't go into it, <laughs> right, um, you probably know what I'm talking about, right? And what happens when you finally do go into it and say, you know what, I'm going to clean this office up, right? Um... It doesn't take that long, does it? You imagine that it's going to take you 10 years to clean this office. So like, oh, I need a whole weekend to clean this office or whatever. And then really you can do it in like an hour usually. Or you can get it like at least, you know, pretty good in like 30 minutes. But it just builds up so much in your mind and you just kind of feel like you're defeated before you start. And you don't want your office, your workspace to be like that. You know, you want your workspace to be a place that you can walk into it um, you can leave it, you know. Um, it's, it has a separateness from your life. Um, you can enjoy your time there, uh, but then you can leave things behind there. Uh, and you can move on and not be worrying about work all the time. Because as much as you love your writing, if you're serious about this, like if you want to really be a serious writer, whatever that means to you, um, if you want to take it seriously, and I think you should take it seriously, 
you know, I think, you know, whether you want to be full-time or part-time or whatever, you should take your art seriously. Um, even if you're a comedian, uh, you should be taking your art seriously, you know, like there's a serious side to it. In fact, comedians are some of the most serious people you'll meet, uh, in terms usually of their work habits. Um, you need to be serious about it. And the more you do it and the more kind of it becomes a normal part of your routine in your day, the better, but also, you know, it is, um, I mean, it can become a grind, right? Like as much as you love writing some days, like you don't want to write, but you still often have to write those days or you should at least. So make it easy on yourself, you know, uh, Give yourself a space where you do it, even if that space is, you know, a corner of your bedroom or in the laundry room or whatever. Stephen King used to write in a laundry room. Transition into it, you know, get some minor little ritual or some little uh, way to move into that space um, and, you know, create or emphasize the separateness um, that you have from the rest of your life. Transition out of it. And once you're in there, make it a low friction environment. You know, make it a place that is easy to do work in. If it's messy, you know, try to confine the mess to like a, a box in the corner, um, or just keep it clean. Um, try to have the stuff you need there, ready for you. You know, spend just a minute or a couple seconds. You know, just putting stuff in order uh, when you're done work, so that it's ready for you the next day. Um, and try to make it, of course, a low distraction environment. You know, and what distracts you is going to depend on so many factors. Um, a lot of people find the internet. I find the internet distracting, so I don't really go on the internet much at all. Uh, again, I usually have my internet off. Um, my uh, office used to have a big bookshelf with you know all these wonderful books. I had all these books in my office, which is great, you know, because I had you know all this work stuff. I, it, it was just very impressive and it made me feel really cool to have all these wonderful books and this big wall, you know, filled with books in the office. But I had to get rid of them because I found them too distracting. You know, I would start reading these books instead of doing writing. Or uh, what was even worse was I'd be having a bad day as a writer and I would turn my head and I would look at all these finished books and I would think, oh my God, I'm so far from those people. You know, I would turn my head and see like a Cormac McCarthy book and I think, oh my God, I'll never be Cormac McCarthy. I'll never write a sentence as good as one of those sentences. And it would just become distracting and demoralizing. And, you know, I found for myself, like it was a very romantic idea to have, you know, this office lined with books but I found, like, in practice, it was really brutal. <laughs> it just was de... It didn't help me um, as a writer. Like, I was better off just putting the books on another floor. I put them in the basement. And, you know, if I want a book, I can go down and get it. I've got a couple little books in my office on this little shelf. It's mostly reference books. Um, and I just, like... I just try to take all that stuff out, you know? Like, I just needed to strip the office down so it was mostly just a place I got work done. Uh, at one point, I had my desk facing out the picture window, but I found I was looking out the picture window, so I turned it to face the wall. So, you know, uh, your mileage will vary. You'll have different things that distract you. You'll have different things that 
um, prevents you from starting. That's what I really mean by friction is, you know, find all the things that are preventing you from starting and start to eliminate those things. Um, maybe it's feeling you have to have an office. Sometimes I find people, that's their thing. Like they feel like, oh, I really need this separate space. I really need to have a good, cool office set up. Now I've finally got a nice, cool office set up, but, um, you know what? I was more productive in the coffee shop, to be honest. Like, uh, you know, I've written in renovation conditions. You know, I've written, like, uh, at a kitchen tables. I did a lot of writing at kitchen tables over the years. It's just, you just have to find a way to just designate an area and a space and a time as your work time. And it's easier said than done, but uh, the more you can make it easy on yourself by you know, engineering the environment a little bit, engineering your move in and out of that environment, and really uh, constructing it or psychically uh, associating it as this sort of space that you go in and out and that's separate and removing um, friction, creating triggers, positive triggers that will help move you into the environment. Uh, eliminating the distractions, you know, the more you can make it a place that is um, easy to go in and to start working and, you know, possible to leave uh, is, you know, that's going to do very well for you. And again, it, really try to make it a place you can leave. Uh, I can't emphasize that enough. Like, the, as the years go on, uh, I find it more and more uh, important to just like stop with the writing stuff sometimes, you know, and just go do something else. Um, so that's my advice. Uh, a few basic principles around, you know, office space, keep it separate, transition in and out, reduce the friction, you know, prevent whatever's preventing you from starting or from enjoying uh, getting into that space and try to eliminate the distractions. Uh, and um, if you've got any great you know, tips or things that you've found work particularly well, uh, please you know, let me know, drop me a line. I'm always at jonathan at jonathanball.com uh, and keep writing the wrong way. <laughs>